Hello and welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly. My name is Ruben Spolter and uh, it's a pleasure to be here back with you after this Long summer break. I'm here with Rabbanit Bali Bravsky, who is a senior faculty member at Michlet Magaser Yushalayim and maintains a clinical social work practice practice in Gush Etzion. Mali, welcome back to Israel. Good to have you back. Good. How are you? Thanks. Good. <laughs> a little more excitement, please. Rabbi Johnny <laughs> Solomon is a teacher at I, I, Johnny. I'm gonna, not going to name names because I know you're at a bunch of different places and we haven't updated the bio but is also a writer and editor of Jewish content for numerous organizations around the world, travels the world, bringing Yiddishkeit, Judaism, and his erudition and knowledge to Jews around the world. Shalom, Harav Johnny, how are you? Hi, good evening, I'm great, thanks. See, Mali, see how that's done? I think, uh, you know, okay. Uh, my name is Vince Spolter, I'm the director. What's that? <laughs> You're gonna be accused of... Uh... I know, I'm not badgering you, I'm trying to encourage a little energy here. <laughs> yes. Okay, director of OTS and also the rabbinic liaison for English-speaking countries for Ibn Rabbanit. So our two topics today. Topic number one, I want to go back to the middle of the summer and the, uh, and the, the court battle between uh, women's rights group in Israel against the community of Afula, but essentially against the Haredi world, in which the, the, this women's rights group sued the municipality of Afula for permitting uh, a separate gender or a separate seating at a Haredi concert. And uh, it was complicated by the fact that uh, they couldn't even have a mixed uh, section because the, the, the singer is a very, very uh, Haredi person. And he said, if there's, if there's a mixed crowd, I'm not going to sing there. So I'm going to ask Johnny to take over. Tell us what happened, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll discuss. Johnny. Okay, so the way I understand this, and this is just based on the articles I've read, there was a concert uh, which was booked in Afula, which is going to be paid uh, for by the municipality, and it was going to take place in a municipal park. It was set for August 14th with the uh, Hasidic uh, singer Moti Steinmetz. And now, significantly, this is the only event of 360 other events that have taken place this year in Afula, which was set to be separate. That's because the... Uh, population who wished to go to this concert, and specifically the singer, wished for it to be separate. That means men and women sitting or standing separately. Now, in the days prior to the concert, a petition was brought by Noga Sharon and the Israel Women's Network to the Nazareth uh, District Court, and the judge, Yonatan Avraham, ruled that the separation was illegal and in fact, he instructed the police to aggressively pursue any complaints of gender segregation that may take in the concert that was set to run with men and women sitting together. Uh, by that point, Marty Steinmetz said, if it's mixed, I'm not playing. However, in response to our original ruling, there were a number of uh, different responses by politicians. 
Yair Lapid celebrated saying, you know, this is great, this is good for justice, this isn't Iran, while Moshe Gafni and Bezalel Smotrich both castigated the ruling. Significantly, in response to those kind of criticisms, the court itself issued a statement saying the criticism being passed is shameful. Which court, Johnny, now, which, court, which court issued that criticism? The, the Nazareth District Court, apparently, uh, as, as recorded in the Jerusalem Post. Ah. Now, uh, immediately afterwards, Shas, together with the Coalette Policy Forum, turned to the District Court to reverse the decision. And basically what they're saying is, you are interpreting this this uh, concept as if we're trying to force our lifestyle on other people. This is not the case. As mentioned, 360 other events happened this year where there was no separation. We just want one event for us. And uh, the notion of human dignity and liberty um, should mean that we should be able to have events that fit our lifestyle needs. And uh, a few hours before the concert, the district court reversed its ruling and said the concert can take place, and it did, with the Mechitza. Um, and the Afula Mayor Avi Alkabet supported it and was, was thrilled with the decision. Though there were further requests for the uh, High Court to reverse again its decision, those took place uh, too late in the day. Let's let's be clear. The High Court reversed its decision while the concert was taking place, issuing an injunction against preventing a concert from taking place when it was almost over. Correct. Um, that's meaning th those petitions happened, but it was futile, especially given the fact that literally the the concert was uh, being playing its final notes, uh, and it's at the end of its uh, evening. Now, obviously, this attracted a lot of attention, both from politicians, but also from religious leaders and different groups around the world, obviously. Haredim, Hasidim, uh, secularists of different stripes, uh, journalists, and everyone had something to say about it. Um, and in the following week, the Aloné Shabbat, which we've mentioned, and most people know that I'm pretty strongly against, <laughs> but still, when I took them home, because I never read them in shul, uh, I looked through it, and there were a number of interesting articles from really the Datilumi world about how we look at this event and how we look at this kind of response. Are we for events that cater for religious public that want separation and which are supported by public funding and take place in public spaces? Uh, or are we against it? And what I was, I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised, but I was significantly surprised that the general consensus opinion in those Aloné Shabbat was supportive uh, of such concerts. There were articles in Olam Katan and Shvi'i, pictures as well. And, and there was a general sense that if you really care about minorities, you know, if our society cares about the needs of the minorities, why is it that we seem not to care about the needs of this minority, meaning the Haredi minority? And though people then say, ah, but we, they're not the minority, they're in control of everything. You know, they stop the buses, they stop the stores. Um, as was pointed out by a number of journalists, actually that's the law. It's not a small group of society. The law and the state have certain Jewish values, and that's expressed uh, through certain limitations. But the Haredi population yeah, but, is a So, Johnny, the, the, first of all, what's, what's very interesting here is that the, the, the court case in general, meaning the women's rights group, they're not, they don't care about the Haredi thing. They wanted to make a point. And, and the reaction from, I would say, secular society or very liberal society, 
right? Like, what really do they, why do they really care if there's a concert that Haredim have in Afula? Meaning, what's, what is the root in your mind? Let, let me turn it to Mali for a second. What is the root in your well, mind, Mali, of what, the basis for this court case? Why does a, a women's action group, not a religious one, a secular women's action group, care if the Haredim have a concert at Afula? Uh, so I do, just before Mali responds, I think it's important to clarify. The, the, um, the Israel Women's Network didn't just come up with their own concept. There is a law. There is a law against segregation. And so the argument is the government should enforce the law. So I'd like to tighten the question. Meaning, if the question is, why would Israel Women's Network wish to enforce a law that avoids segregation and often basically putting women literally at the back of the bus? That's obvious. If the, the question may well be instead, why is it that they pursued this event way more than other particular events where uh, minorities appear to have separate uh, events. Uh, maybe, as mentioned by one journalist, Ramadan events don't seem to be uh, mixed and we don't seem to be going after um, uh, Muslims who are, who, who are is Israeli, who are supposed to keep to the law. Why is it that there is a passion to go after this particular group in enforcing this particular law? Obviously, what was left to the judges is whether this particular application of the law uh, or whether this crossed the line or not. Mali. Okay, so first of all, I think uh, these are, there are a lot of very interesting questions to tease out here. I did not follow this very closely, so um, I'm just giving that caveat. Um, I, I, my opinion, I agree with, with Johnny. Um, my, my, my inclination is to say, my personal inclination is to say that we should be protecting the rights of... Um, religious, you want to call them minorities? I don't care if they're minorities or not minorities. It, part of religious freedom is to respect um, protection of religious, um, you know, beliefs and worship. Uh, I think the w place that it gets tricky um, is well, they would argue that obviously they would argue when that, it goes into yeah. the public sphere, right into the public domain. Um, when you ask, why does it bother people? So I would say you could probably say one of two things, right? You could say, the, well, one of three things. Um, the first one would be, and this one I have sympathy to, um, when you're in a public space that I share, right, and your religion somehow impinge on what I consider my values, um, so you're curtailing my values, we have a clash of values, then it's a problem, let's say, as, such as public buses, right? So, for example, I have no problem if, and I really, I actually support it because I believe that we should be allowing minorities or non, whatever you want to call them, religious uh, groups to, to practice their own, um, you know, in their own ways. There should be Haredi buses that are separate. I have no problem with that. They want to have a bus line like that, that's wonderful. But I don't want to get on a public bus, just happened to me, right? And be told, um, you have to go to the back of the bus because, you know, the majority of the people on this bus are Haredi. And so we've decided or, you know, status quo, we're in the middle of Yerushalayim. And most of us going from the Kotel to Sharyafo are, 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 are Haredi. So we, we took over this Eged bus. That's not okay. You want to have uh, your own bus lines? That's fine. But, but the Eged buses, um, unless you want to have two routes, I don't know how you make that work. But, but that, that I meaning... I have sympathy. Again, my baseline is let people worship their own way. I have sympathy for the argument that says, but don't impinge upon my rights um, 
And then you have to figure out, obviously, we go back to our conversations about public spaces and how they should look and, you know, what religious nature of the country. And that's a whole trickier question. But I, I have sympathy for that. Um, that's one path to go. There's another path to go, which is there are people who fervently believe objectively when you tell men and women to be separate, and especially if you're telling women to be in the back, that it, that is an impingement on human dignity, the human dignity of the woman. So they don't care if it's happening to them or to a different woman, ostensibly, right? They, they say it's a violation of the rights of womankind, and therefore it should be prohibited. Um, now, I would say that, that a subcategory of that um, is, I think, a, a extreme version of this, where it's, where there's a very, where like, liberal, I don't want to say liberal because it's not, I don't mean to use that in a negative way, but let's say humanistic, there are certain humanistic values and they trump everything. Um, and that disturbs me very much. And that, I, and, and like that approach, which is like, you know, almost an agenda, also I don't, I don't, I don't mean to label, label people, but like um, a, a, a very activist, let's say, right they're arguing you're imposing your religious um, perspective on me whereas quite often they're imposing their um, humanistic let's say perspective and not leaving space um, to recognize that perhaps there's more than one way of viewing something and perhaps it's not an infringement on on you know the human dignity of, of a woman if she, it, it, do you understand what I'm saying you know I'm dividing it into three I didn't understand the last point clear Meaning my last point is um, that I, I, I think that I could hear an argument that says um, like, like a soft, a soft argument. I believe that, um, you know, there's a violation of human dignity when you segregate. Right. But I'm also willing to hear your position and 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 recognize that perhaps you see things differently. And maybe we can have a conversation and figure out either a middle ground or some type of a compromise. Or as, you know, Johnny said, you had 364 days a week, you, you know, a, a year. You, you've had so many things in the public space, many of which the religious people couldn't attend. So, like, even though it's not my cup of tea, I can can make space for yours, even though I believe you're doing something objectively um, violating of my, uh, you know, my position. Um, I think that's that's a soft let's say humanistic perspective, there's a harder one that says, no, it's, it's so offensive to me that I have to shut you down. There's no room for your position at all. That disturbs me. I that, think, I, I yeah. think, I think you're giving them a little, a little bit too much credit or I you know what I'm saying? That it's a Maybe. purely ideological um, uh, point of view. Obviously there's, there is ideology here, but I think what we're witnessing and why this is interesting to us specifically it's because what we're witnessing is, I would call it a, a fear and a panic yes. on the part of, 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 of ultra, you want to say liberal or, you know, ultra secular Israeli society, which sees demographically that, you know, religious, uh, the religious community is growing, the Haredi community is growing by leaps and bounds. And all of a sudden, they're not only, they didn't, they didn't sue, you know, Kiryat Sefer or what have you for having a separate thing. They sued in Afula because all of a sudden, one second, if they're encroaching in Afula, 
So their argument was, yeah, if it was 365 to one, that one is an opening, is a crack, and next year it's going to be 350 to 10. And in you know, 15 years, who knows, maybe all of it's going to become Haredi. And what's, what you find very interestingly is, is that, the, that I, I understand that sort of, that sort of, of fear, because religious society, and the Haredim, I think, are just a symbol of it, because I think we're, we're guilty of that as well, at least through the Rabbanut, very much does impose its values and its, and its, uh, its, ish, its issues, especially in issues of personal life, in issues of who can get married, in issues of Shabbat. And of course, we also can't forget that we're in the middle of an election season. And, sure. and without a doubt, this is definitely, at least if not pushed by, but I'm sure supported by, political parties that are running specifically on the issue of the rise of the religious public, and they're trying to control your, you know what I'm saying? We, we're witnessing Avigdor Lieberman, I don't know what he represents anymore, yeah. but now he's anti-religious, he's anti-Haredi, he's anti, you know, he's anti, you know, Smotrich. And so what I find most interesting is this notion, I don't think it's ideological per se, but more uh, uh, a demographic fear guided by our ideology in which they very much easily see the back of the bus. They easily see Ikea being a place where, you know, not, not just the Haredi, um, uh, you know, brochure or whatever was the catalog is devoid of women, but and there are separate days. I, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you noticed this. I was reading Johnny through the Aloné Shabbat, and there was an ad in the Legoland, you know, for they had this thing, this Legoland. Did you, I don't know if you noticed this. In the Legoland ad, it said, oh, by the way, there are Haredi days in Legoland. And I thought to myself, dear God, why do there need to be Haredi days in Legoland? Like, what are they doing in Legoland? You walk around, you play Legos, you look, I, I have no idea even. But, but this is what they see. Like, you know, meaning a, a family can't go to Legoland on a Tuesday because, because we say it's separate. It's a really, and that's why it's so interesting to me because on the one hand, I understand it. I don't think the law is on their side. I mean, at least uh, most people did not think so. I don't think they're going to win. But the question is, recognizing this fact, you know, you know, I, I, I am, I, you know, I'm troubled by the fact that on the one hand, I want the, the Jewish state to be manifestly Jewish and have Jewish manifestations, but to be sensitive to the idea of a person saying, it's my country, the country that I grew up in, the country that I feel comfortable in, is it going to be there for me when I want to raise my children or my grandchildren? That's something that I think that we're not necessarily sensitive to, and we're going to pay a price for if we don't, if we don't take, keep that in keep that in mind. I'll put it that way. This obviously has a whole variety of applications. I mean, here we're talking about a particular concert, and there was a crest made, and the concert happened in the end, and there was a whole brouhaha, as we said, surrounding the concert. But we shouldn't forget the fact that. Uh, oftentimes gender uh, um, and gender segregation, which the law forbids, uh, is enforced and enforced often in fairly firm, uh, passionate, sometimes aggressive uh, ways that makes many people, women specifically, but not only, uh, very, very uncomfortable. I'd just like to consider a, a flip side. Imagine you are at a separate beach, right, where, you know, only men... Uh, bathe in the beach and there are a few separate beaches around the country or area when only women are and imagine in that space um, somebody of the opposite gender said it's a it's a public space I'd like to bathe it you may well say well the, the law may allow it but it makes me feel like very uncomfortable and you may even raise a flag meaning 
everybody's very protective of what works for them and their comfort and 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 uh, the space where they feel but at home johnny i would i would ask you here, i would take it the a, other way you got to park enough johnny i would ask you today would that law pass that. would there be separate beaches if they if they tried to pass it today i mean there, there um, is a law that established separate law? beaches you if, if there wasn't and the Haredi brought it up and said we want to have separate beaches what do you think the do you think such a law would pass today or not in today's climate and atmosphere my hunch is no, uh, but the question isn't necessarily what the law is. I, I, we just mentioned there is a law against gender segregation. The question is, what happens if somebody doesn't feel comfortable with that law and goes into that space? What do we do with that? What happens if... You mean when Mali gets on a bus, even though when Mali gets on the bus in Yerushalayim, and even though the law says she has a right to go anywhere she wants, they say to her, would you mind walking to the back? Very nicely. What should you do, Molly? Should you walk to the back, or should you, should you make your point? Should you Rosa Parks the bus? Yeah, well, it actually happened to me. It, you know. And? Um, it, they didn't ask so nicely, um, and I got a little bit annoyed. And I think what I said was, who made you the king of Eged? Um, because it was a public bus. Um, again, but at the same time, I, I, I very much want the Haredim to have their... I, I don't want them to be called Mahadrim, because I, that really annoys me, because you're implying that you're better. Uh, By the way, I'm not sure they're allowed to have their own bus lines that's open to the public. I'm not sure they can do that. I don't think you can have, let's say, a Haredi bus line that's that's like a the public Bitar line. Buses? Yeah, yeah, I don't think they can do that. I'm pretty sure. I don't. I think it's against the law, but I'm not sure. Saying once it's public, it can't be separate, segregated. Once it's open, the meaning if they want to rent a bus, they can do whatever they want. But once you can get on right. it, I'm almost certain that they can't tell you where to sit. Well, but you know, let's but I can get that's not true. One second, there are buses from Beitar. I mean, unless I'm not understanding you correctly, to Yerushalayim. They are, I don't know who funds them. I can get on that bus in Beitar and in Yerushalayim and ride them. They're illegal. They're separate. They're their buses. Okay, Tzarech Iyun, if you're a, uh, I don't know, lawyer in Israel and you know the answer to that question, send Molly an email or me. Okay, I'm but sorry, again, Johnny, I want them to be able to have those buses. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that you, if you could get on a bus, I don't think anyone should be able to tell you where to sit. I it's agree. a public bus. I don't agree. I, uh, again, um, I think that the, it's a good question. Like, do I think there should also be, like, again, what, what I'm thinking in my mind of as public buses running in, in from from Beitar to Yerushalayim that are not, you know, to afford me the option of not being segregated to so there's also public and also have their own private buses. Maybe that's, maybe that's what I think should be. I mean, Tachlis, it wouldn't work because no one would go on the other buses. But, like, um, right. I, I don't. I don't really. They have every right to do whatever they want. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it that way. That was not a very articulate way of saying it. But like, I really believe in religious freedoms. Like, like, want to show them. Like, let let people let people. As long as there's a reasonable. You mean you mean like a bus on Shabbat? You mean like getting married okay. when they're not Jewish? So, so right. So as so that's where this gets become this becomes very complex. Um, I would like. That's why this word status quo exists, which is basically a silly, meaningless word, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's the best technical way people could figure out to, to, to create a, con a concept that's legally almost impossible to, to define, which is on the one hand, we want, it's what you said before, on the one hand, we want to protect um, the rights of the majority or even a certain group of our citizens who feel X way. And on the other hand, we want to protect the right of our citizens who feel Y way. 
Um, how do we create, how do we do that in the public space? And I, I don't know how to answer that well. I don't, which is kind of what Johnny was kind of teasing out. I want to say one more thing, though, about something you said earlier, which was, um, is it politically motivated and, and the fear and things changing? And I think that that's a very, to me, a very striking point, which is, first of all, yes, of course, there's a lot of political motivation and this whole hadata, um, which means like, you know, religi- you, you, you're like religiousizing, proselytizing, um, which has become part of, of the language in the past couple of years and certainly part of this election is a fear mongering tactic. Um, but there, there, there's also. Some- I, I would only say, and I'm not going to. I'm going to let you finish. Uh, yeah. Fear mongering only works because it's 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 playing into a fear that exists. I mean, Lieberman right. wouldn't do it if it wasn't if he didn't Correct. sense that it was there. Correct. But but what I want to say is that that actually demonstrates a victory for for religion in this country. Um, there's always been fear mongering, you know, in the in the 1994 elections, or I maybe it was 96. I don't remember when when Yehudah father had a had a had a. a, a his his um, party was we hate Haredim basically, right? It was the we hate Haredim party. I forgot. She knew it. I think it was called, right? There's always been that anti-religious, um, you know, very strong anti-religious feeling in the country. But it, w- what's changed now is is that you're 100 percent right. I think that the that that the country has become more religious with time over time over the past 20 25 years, and a lot of that I think is very positive. Um, the public discourse has become, um, I think, much more uses religious language, faith-based language. It doesn't necessarily have to be orthodox, although that's usually the de facto in this country. But there's a lot more um, Jew- Judaism, I think, in in the in the in the public sphere. It's also true. It's because the sectors have grown. But I mm. think it's there's some there's been also something unifying. I think it's also because because the Sephardim have 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 their influence has grown and they tend to be Masorati. So I I think we have to also view this from a place of like as religious people, there's something very positive going on in this country. And so I would say to you, let's not squander that. Um, understand that there's a real fear here, as you're saying, Ruby, um, and, and and try to work like it's like there are two things that we have to do at the same time. One is to be open to compromise and to listen and to listen to the real fears and to make sure people really feel like their needs are met. But at the same time, to stand up and push back when, 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 when these laws go too far and really infringe on what I think are religious freedoms and rights. And I think it happens, I think, also in Bar-Ilan University, right? I think that, 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 that there was like a group of women who wanted a mechitza at a public, at, at, a, at, a, at a university event. And, um, it was, no, not, it was Hebrew University. It was, it was Hebrew, Hebrew University. Okay, so yeah. that that to me is is probably very problematic. So th- you have to stand up against that. So on the one hand, I think you have to fight that Wait, against. What do you have to stand up against? Just because they wanted a mechitza at like a yes. at like a Hanukkah. They wanted a mechitza to make a dance, and and they were, and and that was not allowed. That to me, I think is 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 not okay. Right, that's like not okay that it was not allowed. Let's clarify. It's not that. Yes, that should be allowed. <laughs> there should be respect for religious. There should be protection for religion. That's that's part of freedom of religion. You protect the rights of religious minorities to practice their freedom of worship. Uh, but at the same time, I think we have to not like how do you fight for for those rights as religious people, but also hear those real fears and make sure that 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 we're not taking advantage, we're not losing opportunities to create positive. Um, like we've already won certain battles, let's let's maximize on that those positive on that capital. Johnny, uh, um, 
I, I, I want to humbly challenge Mali uh, in her description of the trends taking place in the country with reference to uh, an advert that came out almost the same week as uh, the story about this concert. Um, I live in Evanchmuel, which is right by Kiryat Gat. Kiryat Gat is a fairly traditional town. It's got a variety of different populations, but if you had to classify it, it's a relatively low socioeconomic community with uh, many Sfaradim, some Ethiopians, Russians as well, uh, a handful of Olim too. And that week, um, an advert came out in the local newspaper that a, the private bus on Shabbat, known as Shabus, was going to be uh, coming to Kiryat Gat just as much as it's already uh, launched in places like Ashdod and Ashkelon uh, and other places too. And uh, a number of people from Kiryat Gat were celebrating that they had uh, achieved this. This is a private arrangement where people can go, I think, at no cost and have buses to the beach um, or other particular destinations on Shabbat because there's no public transport. And uh, as a religious Jew, I was saddened. Um, and I believe that every person, you know, has a right to both be joyous about certain events, but also sad about others. I was saddened, obviously, because I care a lot about Shabbat, because, but also because it spoke volumes about a town where a first generation or a second generation viewed Shabbat as sufficiently sacrosanct that even where some people may well have uh, transgressed Shabbat, there wasn't an endeavor of, of Shabbat uh, uh, tra transgression in public in such a way. Meaning in, in Kirat Gap, almost all the shops are shut, uh, unlike a few other places. And instead of uh, you know marching against uh, the uh, people who established this, I, I wrote to those who uh, put this project together, and I said, listen, you know, each their own, but I'd love to hear you know, what's led you to, to do this. I want to know <coughs> where you're coming from, because... I care about Shabbat. I also believe that everybody has their freedoms to consider. But I'd love a conversation. And they were very, very warm back to me. And we're just trying to find a time to do so. Uh, they also appreciated my tone. But the key point is, if I care about Shabbat, if I care about trends in society, I should care that what wasn't happening for the last 50 years is happening. I should care what that represents. Take that, invert it, and then reply it to uh, Afula. There are people who say, we thought our town was like this. Now it's turning like that. I happen to be supportive of events that, that enable people, if treated in full equality, which it's important to know often isn't the case, uh, to celebrate and enjoy their own concerts. But the, the principle of protecting values and standing up for them, and at the very least voicing them, and where you feel very, very strongly turning to the judicial um, uh, a system to try and clarify whether the law is being kept or trampled upon. I think that's that's valid. The question really here is, is the law blind? And it seems to be, from our opening remarks, the law isn't blind. The law itself, or the uh, the those who are applying the law, and specifically here, the judge, Jonathan Abraham, uh, seems to have their own biases. So you have every person looking out for both their values and what they believe to be these uh, values that hold down and, and, and reflect the modern state of Israel. But the ground is moving. I, don't, I think that there are obviously places where the, re the religious population is swelling. There are many, many places, and I use Kirat Gat only because it's around the corner, where that's not the case. And where we need to uh, acknowledge that and also say, 
is it not also legitimate to, to raise our voices in a way which is becoming and effective um, uh, uh, and try and figure out whether that's something worthy of uh, having at least a conversation, but also considering other options too, if a law is being broken. Johnny, it's, it's interesting. Not. My response to you is, of course, it pains me as well. And I would love to say that uh, Shabbat, uh, you know, the Kiryat Gats and all these municipalities uh, would retain the status quo. And that's why, Molly, the, the word status quo becomes increasingly meaningless because stores are open and malls are open. But my, my response to that is, you and I, we no longer live in the Kiryat Gats of the world. You live in Evan Shmuel and I live in Yad Binyamin. And so therefore the integration of the religious public and the secular public that used to be a part and parcel of Israeli society is no longer uh, uh, existent. And we have walled ourselves off in, in beautiful communities where we enjoy the beauty and, and, and tranquility of Shabbat while ignoring the fact that the status quo has changed up, you know, uh, under, our, uh, you know, under our noses without really caring because, you know, my, my gate is closed and my children can walk in the streets. And I'm saying that is self-criticism, not criticism of, of, of you or yeah. Molly or anyone else. It, it, it's, I think with the trend that you know, and Molly knows, are both true. We're getting more religious and less religious at the same time. You know, it's a, it's a question of extremes. And I think that what we're seeing in these court cases is exactly that. We're seeing extremes. We're seeing less, less sort of in the middle, like, let's just get along, and more, I want it my way, and I want it my way, and there's this battle for, is it going to end up looking like Yad Binyamin, or is it going to be looking like Kiryat Gat? Yeah, but I want to just, uh, I agree with what you're saying, but I want to add a, a, like a, a, a nuance in there, which is, I think you're right, um, but what both of you said is correct. I think there are also extremes that are presenting themselves, but there's another phenomenon that's going on which is this Jews-Raeli phenomenon, right? This book that just came out by Shmuel Rosner, and I don't remember who else he wrote it with, um, which demonstrates that the nature of what it means to be, to, be to consider yourself Israeli or slash Jewish in the Jewish state is changing. And that... I want to interrupt you only because that's another discussion. We have right, to add okay, to but list. I just want to finish the point because, because I would be curious, Johnny, I'd like you to come back to us when you speak to these Kiryat Gat, with the people in Kiryat Gat, you know, perhaps when they go to the beach on Shabbat, it's true that their grandparents celebrated Shabbat, you know, by by going to shul. I wonder if these people who are going to the beach on Shabbat are still, they still, can, they're still, they still think of themselves as their Jew, their identity is not just Israeli, but it's also Jewish. And going to the beach on Shabbat has a, or their larger Shabbat has a Jewish component because that's what we're seeing the trend happening. So while Ruby, you're right about the extremes, there's also something very interesting that's happening in this country, which is this blend of, of religion and Israeli identity, which I think is actually very healthy. You're right. It's a different conversation, but I just want to bring it in because I don't think you can only talk about extremes. I think you have to no, no, we de I think we definitely have to have that conversation and that book is very important. And uh, we'll just we'll add it to the list of things we want to talk about. But you did you can't I mean you threw it in there, but it's it's something that requires right. a lot more I analysis. Think it's part and, of this conversation you can't just end by saying, "Oh no, we're walled off and they're walled off and the country's going." You know, I don't think that's what's happening in Israel. I don't. No, think no I, I think it's I think a lot of different things are happening at the same time. Right, that's what's fascinating. Just, okay, just for you to know, perhaps because you didn't want to end on that end note. Although I haven't yet met with that group, we did correspond, and in fact, the response of the head of this group, he said, and say as part of a very uh, uh, dignified uh, uh, to and fro, 
He said, listen, I go to synagogue on Shabbat, but sometimes I drive to the beach. Sometimes I like driving to Jerusalem to the Kotel on Shabbat. Exactly. Sometimes I like seeing my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, the point within his language was really to confirm this duality, this duality which, if you recall, is already reflected in that famous ruling of Rav Yaakov Etlinger, where people go to synagogue but also work on Shabbat. And we need to acknowledge the fact that it's not necessarily targeted to Satri on a social phenomenon, although from a religious level, perhaps some would Correct. say that to invoke and to seek uh, buses on Shabbat and to celebrate that, and then to claim you're going to synagogue is, uh, is to be a little bit dishonest to yourself about your uh, set of hierarchies. But I think uh, uh is right. Let's leave it for another conversation. Uh, with the book coming out, uh, we're very much looking forward to talking about those those categories. Okay, I want to uh, make one final point that I found very interesting. It's very interesting that Haredim, when they were instructed like to, to have a mechitza, they had no problem having a mechitza that was side by side, and everyone thought that that was fine for the concert. But I've yet to see a shul in Israel that's built by Israelis, where the women and the men are side by side, to ensure that the women are able to see and hear and enjoy in the same way that the men are able to. And maybe that's a little bit of something for us to, uh, for us to fight for. Yes, in our so that's religious definitely settings. a fight I will uh, take on, which is side by side shuls with side by side um, mechitzas and not back mechitzas and not balconies. It's made. It's okay, I, I, th I think we'll stop here. I think we'll leave it yeah. to one topic uh, for the evening. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have comments or questions, we're always looking to, uh, to for input from our listeners. Uh, we welcome you back to our, after a long summer break. And Be'ezrat Hashem, we'll try to make it as RZ weekly as we possibly can. I want to thank Molly Brasky and Rabbi Johnny Solomon. My name is Ruben Spolter. I also want to thank my son Patakis Spolter for the music leading us in and out. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>